Yeah, I think it's the intention of what uh, hopefully a, a person is looking for, right? If someone is coming to me, I'm not marketing that you're going to lose weight or you're going to look a certain way. I'm really marketing that I want you to feel something different. And that's where you come and learn from me through, through understanding different self-assessments that you could do on your own body. Why could something be feeling restricted? Why could something be feeling a little weaker? What could I do to change that movement pattern and feel something different? And that's all I'm offering. And so if someone's looking to just continue to explore their body and feel something different. I'm not guaranteeing that they're going to relieve pain. I'm not guaranteeing that they're going to heal their injury. However, if, if, if feeling and learning about your body is what you want, then I think going to a clinician is where you're going to find it. If, if losing weight or looking a certain way or getting stronger in a certain movement pattern, then that's where you can go to a fitness professional. And it might be a little different because it's focused on, on exercises and how to do them and what structure to do them rather than the exercises of, you know, directly what they're impacting within the body. Hi, it's me again, your friendly voice with no face for cup therapy, bringing you What the Cup, a podcast, episode 24. And today we have a very special guest. A few of you may know her. She has a few followers on social media. Her name is Dr. Jen Ferboni also known as Jen Esker, or if you just follow social media names, Doc Jen Fit. We're so pleased to have her. She's a physical therapist, the founder of the Mobility Method and the Optimal Body Monthly Membership Program. She was ranked one of the best fitness trainers on Instagram by Self Magazine, and she's been featured on numerous interviews and podcasts as a guest. She's an expert in fitness and rehab, She's brought it together so well in the social media world, and we're excited to have a conversation with her. So without further ado, Doc Jen Fraboni with What the Cup of Podcast, episode 24. Today's podcast is brought to you by cuptherapy.com. Want to learn science-based application of negative pressure treatments? Want to know more about the in-depth research being done at the University of California, San Francisco? Want to take your clinical skills to the next level? Check out www.cuptherapy.com for more information on the original movement-based, evidence-informed myofascial decompression techniques used by clinics around the world, professional teams, and Olympians. That's www.cuptherapy.com. All right, so here we are with What the Cup. This is episode 24, and I am truly blessed with Jen, you know, Esquire, here to talk with us all things physio, all things movement, and all things, I think, coaching. And there's a new whole, I think, platform for physios as well as other like-minded health professionals to talk about the way the body moves and how safe it is for you to move when you've been scared to move in the past. So welcome, Jen. Love having you here. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. I'm doing great. It's going to be super fun. And Jen, tell us where you're talking to us from right now. Yeah. So we are up near Sonoma right now. Uh, my husband and I just got married. So my new last name is Fraboni. Um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and we're just taking some time to travel and work, but also just experience new places that we've never been together. So that's super awesome. And what a beautiful area in like the tail end of summer going into what we call the Indian summer here in the Bay Area, where summer just lasts an extra two to three months. So mm -hmm. you're in the right place, I think, for the right time. I know. I love it here. It's going to be super fun. But let, let's dive right in. And, and as a physio, mm -hmm. I want to talk about some of the nuts and bolts of where you came from, where you're at, and what you see that platform evolving into and some of the future with it, right? There's a lot of new grads. There's a lot of physios out there that are really excited about this space of online learning. And, you know, unfortunately, COVID has thrust us into this Zoom platform learning-based arena for good, for better or for worse, but it, there's an opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. There's great, this great opportunity that you've been doing for a while. And I think you're a trendsetter and a role model for so many. So tell us what that looks like or what that did look like going from clinical care, transitioning into this online platform education unit. 
you know, well, I will say that it kind of found me. Like it wasn't something that I necessarily went out and sought. I had my Instagram created for friends and family, just like a lot of people. It was Jen underscore ES underscore care, because that's how you phonetically say my name. And I had selfies and I had, you know, photos with friends and all this kind of stuff. And then I posted one video working out outside on bars and kind of tagged the calisthenic community because that's who I admired. And all of a sudden someone reached out to me and was like, Hey, you should come down to the beach and train with us. And I was like, Oh my God, how cool. Like they're, they want to <laughs> like hang and they're real people. And so I ended up going down to Venice beach and hanging with the calisthenic crew. And from there he started, uh, this was progressive calisthenics at the time. He was huge on online and he yeah. started posting me. And from there people just started to, and this was what, like six seven years ago, almost. Yeah. So at the time it was, it was a little bit easier to just like someone post you yeah. and all of a sudden followers started coming and I was just like, Oh, so <laughs> yeah. do I just do handstands now? Like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> and I was in physical therapy school at the time. So yeah. that was my main focus. And, and the calisthenics, the play, the going down to the beach, that was, that was my escape from studying and from PT work. And so that's how my Instagram ultimately started to build was just inspiring through the workouts and the strength and the exercises that I was doing for my own body and learning calisthenics. And I eventually competed in it while I was going through school and everything. And that's really where my journey came until after I graduated physical therapy school. And I, at the time I even said like, okay, cool. Instagram was fun, you know, while I was going through school, but now I really want to focus on being a great job. Therapist. Let's be, let's be a professional yeah, <laughs> exactly. So it was just like, okay, that was fun. And now this is what I'm doing until actually I chatted with my friend, Vinny rehab, um, who I, I think a lot of people know online as well, Vinny fam of myo detox and, or if you know the Instagram world, I would say that. <laughs> and, and he was like, you know what, just start educating on based on what you know, who, who are your followers? And at the time, you know, it was calisthenic people, yoga people. And so I was like, okay, well, I don't do yoga or anything, but a lot of people admire me for my skill in being able to go upside down or control my body weight and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, let me speak into that in terms of what I know. And that was a really scary thing, stepping out as a new grad and saying, okay, here's what I'm going to educate on. I had, yeah, just a lot. And so eventually that ended up growing into what it has today. And Eventually, I also came to the point where I was just like, okay, educating online is cool, but who's actually getting help? Are they, is it actually what they need? And that's when I decided, let me just put a, a, a program out into the world just so that people can have one space to really get to know their body rather than just randomly finding stuff on Instagram. And so that's really what catapulted this journey into yeah. online marketing. And there's such a, a movement in the last two years specifically for self-care and like taking care of yourself, not just as clients out there, but as our own bodies in our, as a physio. And I think I've gone for more massages in the last two years than I have in my entire life because <laughs> like it just got put up the priority level and my body feels different. My mind feels different. I feel better about life in this tragic, terrible time of COVID. I feel better about life than I ever have. Mm. And so, you know, I think we are prioritizing that a lot. And I love what you said in the past of people are learning that you have to pay for things you're not good at yourself. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you need a mobility coach when mobility is your deficit. Like I'm great at strength, but I go to yoga. I'm the worst freaking person in that class. And I hate it. And I don't go because I'm intimidated. Mm -hmm. And sometimes all I need is a little bit of a, you know, a lift, a little, you know, lift up into this mobility place that I don't do well in. I struggle with. Yeah, so that's a good place. But let me ask you this as a physio, it, it, I think it's challenging because that's a little bit of a world of the coaching arena, right? And where do you have a line drawn in the sand? I'm sure you're going to say there's not one, but when do you pull one hat off and put another yeah. hat on from the, the transition of physio into coach? What does that look like? And do you struggle with that ever? You know, I think maybe in the beginning, I struggled with it more so when I was a new grad, I would say, if like, I'm, 
I, I transitioned slowly from working full-time in a clinic to working full-time in a clinic and taking my own clients to eventually only taking my own clients. And so I would be a lot in the gym settings and seeing personal trainers doing some, using some IAS, IASTM tools, as well as, you know, massage techniques and things that they only had the personal training cert. And I was just like, mm, this is my job. Why are you taking my job? You know? And so I feel like I, I, I felt a little bit more of that protection in that when I was a little bit more of a new grad, like I worked hard, I paid a lot of money. <laughs> I studied a ton, you know, but as I continued to, to go on, it's just, everyone is trying to help. And, and when I let go of my own ego of what I do and what other people can do, it does, like you said, get a little bit more gray and especially in the online space. And what I see is I have educated myself as a physical therapist and I will continue to educate myself in that, in that field and work with patients one-on-one, -on -one. but it does change when it's online. Yeah. Because what I can provide is different than what I can provide in person. In person, I can really self-assess who you are as an individual and provide a diagnosis. That's what we do as physical therapists. And then we prov provide a specific prescription based on what you have going on. Where in the online space, I don't have that ability unless I was working one-on-one, -on -one, right? Unless I was taking on one-on-one -on -one virtual clients. But in, in the sphere of what we're talking about in a social media world, I have a lot of eyes. So now I am stepping into as more of a coach rather than a physical therapist. I'm a coach that has the physical therapy background, I would say. Absolutely. And my goal is to just help guide, facilitate, and open up the possibility of what you can achieve within your own body when you step into it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the clients that are going to come to a platform like yours, they don't care if you're a Cairo or a PT or a massage therapist or whatever, if you have knowledge that they lack and you have empowerment design in your system, it doesn't matter, right? And I, I used to be the same way. I think there's something about PT school that there's a rhetoric that beats into you that like, this is your piece of the pie mm -hmm. and you fought hard for it. And you know, I graduated a long time ago. And at that time, Kairos and PTs were like at each other's throats. Yes, I think it's softened a lot. It really has. And some of my favorite colleagues now, and some of the, my favorite people that come to take my courses are chiros and mm -hmm. acupuncturists and other professionals, because they give me more to bite and chew on that I never thought of. And that's right. the discussion is that's where the magic is. And especially I'm working in sports medicine a couple of days a week, and it's a multidisciplinary team. And it, the more you learn, and the more, like you said, you step away from that ego, the better everybody gets, including 100%. the most important person, which is that athlete or that client. Mm -hmm. Just super hundred cool. percent. Mm -hmm. But there is this other nuance of as a physio, I think you can offer things unique from your educational background that a fitness professional doesn't. Tell me what that looks like and why maybe as a physio in this arena, more, I think, you know, better educated for some of the nuances than uh, other standard fitness professionals. Yeah, I think it's the intention of what uh, hopefully a, a person is looking for, right? If someone is coming to me, I'm not marketing that you're going to lose weight or you're going to look a certain way. I'm really marketing that I want you to feel something different. And that's where you come and learn from me through, through understanding different self-assessments that you could do on your own body. Why could something be feeling restricted? Why could something be feeling a little weaker? What could I do to change that movement pattern and feel something different? And that's all I'm offering. And so if someone's looking to just continue to explore their body and feel something different, I'm not guaranteeing that they're going to relieve pain. I'm not guaranteeing that they're going to heal their injury. However, if, if, if feeling and learning about your body is what you want, then I think going to a clinician is where you're going to find it. If, if losing weight or looking a certain way or getting stronger in a certain movement pattern, then that's where you can go to a fitness professional. And it might be a little different because it's focused on, on exercises and how to do them and what structure to do them rather than the exercises of, you know, directly what they're impacting within the body. And I believe that's where it, it differs in this structure of the online field. And so I'm 
totally fine, you know, living in this field with health and wellness professionals of all kinds. And I feel like they're, like you said, there's so much to learn. I've learned so much from yogis and what they have to offer and how they look at the body. I've learned so much from personal trainers and how they look at the body from chiropractors to acupuncturists to it doesn't matter as long as we're all open to helping individuals. And we have a clear intention on what we individually are trying to offer, then I think people can get help. Totally. I totally agree. Now, one of the, I think, challenges of the online platform education piece is how do you assess the job that you're doing? How do you reflect upon, am I being efficient and effective in what I'm administering? Like in the clinic, we get it every day. It's, It's every single patient tells us, you're better, you're worse, you're the same. Almost to a fault, like like today I'm batting 900, like nine out of 10 people I saw, boom, they're doing great. And then the next day, two out of the 10 people I saw are doing great. And all the other eight people are like, you made me worse. And I feel like I'm an <laughs> idiot. And I still don't know what I'm doing after you know 17 years of doing this. Yeah. So like in the online world, you don't have that bombardment of, I think, feedback. How do you assess what you're doing and if you're hitting your mark or not? You know, I I mean, I do hang on to the feedback that I get on a daily basis, whether it's like even one comment, one DM a day, like if that is, I'm getting feedback that it's helping, okay, I'm moving in the right direction of people. And I really feel like the online platform is about community and connection. That's what you should be intending on building. And the more that I that I grow a community, the more I'm hoping to connect with what they're actually looking at, right? And when I put something out and sometimes if it does poorly or I get no feedback on it, then I know I didn't connect well to what people actually needed, to what my community is looking for. And so when I lose that connection, then that's where I can kind of feel like, okay, I need to adjust maybe how I put it out, the format that I did, or maybe it was too confusing. Maybe I lost people. You know, there has to be some way that I'm getting kind of feedback of, are people even trying this? Are they open to exploring it? And are they feeling just even a little bit of something that sparked maybe a journey into going to see a physical therapist or a journey into finding a different type of movement pattern, you know, whatever it is, like I am looking for that feedback and that connection online, even though it is different than having that one-on-one, there's still connection, there's still feedback. And that's why I run my, my Instagram myself, because I want to continue to see that. How do I know what I'm putting out is actually even working and helping people unless I connect with it. So, and, you know, I've had people in the online marketing world, oh no, you got to pass that off. You can't do all your stuff. You can't, and I can't do all my stuff. I will have 99 plus DMs sitting in my DMs all the time. (laughs) However, I'm going to look at it. I'm going to see who I can get back to at the capacity that I have. So I can actually continue to help people and know that I'm making a difference. Totally. Yeah. I I can 100% understand where you're coming from with that and it wrecked my brain a little bit of how do you get these self-assessments how do you get this reflection when you don't have life person feedback and that makes so much sense on the connection pieces right when people blow up you know the comment section of a post you're like yes like even if it's not always positive comments at least you know you're touching a nerve that matters to people and i think that's such a beautiful thing and, and also a lot of pressure so that's a great i think transition into our talk about this Instagram world and and the evil social media. Um, Of course, it's not evil if you can help people around you. And I think one of the challenges I find, like I'm just starting to grow some of the stuff because I'm promoting fascial conversations that haven't been discussed yet. Like we took the very first MRI of a cup on the body in 2015 that nobody had ever done before. And we're proposing some new structural things that are changing Mm -hmm. the rhetoric of what's going on with these fascial discussions. But people are pushing back and sending hate mail sometimes even, right? Oh, I'm and sure. all the things. And I've had a lot of conversations with, you know, chairs of my department or other social uh, media influencers. And they're like, no, you're onto something. You're on the right track when you're doing it like that because you're never going to make everybody happy. So often I think sometimes the challenge for me is when I promote something that's great science that has a lot of I think um, things to chew on in terms of our ability to decide what is real, what isn't when it comes to tissues, 
I get a lot of pushback and some of that negativity gets me down. How do you stay mentally, I think, strong when I'm sure at first you got a lot of haters saying, you know, you can't do physio online. This is not something that you should be doing. You're supposed to be in the clinic. That's what you're trained for. Like, how do you deal with that from a mental health perspective as this social media influencer in the physio world? Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting. I mean, I've I've gotten, as I started to grow, actually, I will say that I had a really supportive community around me. And I had my own fears and my own imposter syndrome of like, who am I to put this out and da, da, da. But then I continue to remember, hey, I can learn and change along the way and that's okay i can disagree with what i said five years ago and that's okay um i'm continuing to learn and i'm just going to put out what i know to be true in this moment and i also know that you know these movements that we're we're teaching especially online we're not doing surgery on people we're not getting giving people drugs you know like we're not going to really are we are we messing people out that much and i think that's what some physios start to like yeah. put in their mind about it of like, this person is creating harm. No, they're just creating movement. Yeah. <laughs> like we're, we're, if we're still allowing people to explore movement, whether you think it's right and it's in your bias and you're like, it's, it's, it's not that bad. So I think that's something that we all get to remember as clinicians as well. Like we're just helping people explore. It's a huge uh, important safety net. I think you just touched on something so important is that you're creating the permission for people to move when they couldn't move before. And I think yes. There's no safety in that. It's not dangerous. That that's you hit it on the head there with with that part of it for sure. Yes, and so I think that's where um, sometimes ego comes into play of like that's not right and that's not the way I teach it or that's not what the research says or that's the, you know, and we we start pointing fingers and then we get this separation of clinicians, and where it's like why are we fighting against each other where we have such a larger role to play in this world that we're fighting against the people who are not coming to us, who are not seeking movement, who don't, who don't, you know, seek help in, in this way first, where they go and they are relying on pills or they are relying on surgery, which isn't a bad thing, right? But there's a time and place. And so why are we fighting each other when we could be fighting a a, a larger piece and working together? And that's always what's, what, gets me a little frustrated in this, the online space of like, we can disagree. Let's have open discussions privately, but do we need to create that drama online? Do we need to to be calling people out? Do we need to be, you know, blowing up someone's comments? I personally don't think so. It's not the energy that I invite onto my page. And I, I'm totally, again, open to having discussions. Let's, let's chat and DM. Let's have a phone call. Let's discuss things and see what we could do to move forward. But understand that we're all going to treat humans a little bit differently. We're all going to see something a little bit different. And as long as we're trying to make a positive impact and help people along the way, I think that's what's most important. And I think something, another you know, piece of the puzzle that people get a look at is if, if someone is growing a large following, there's a reason for it, right? There's a reason that people are coming to it, saving it and feeling something yeah. like they, it doesn't just grow out of nowhere sometimes maybe, but, but for the most part, it's because it's being shared. Oh, I like this. I tried this and it helped me. And now I want to share it with my friends so that they can get help. So if someone is growing no matter what you feel about them, there's something you can learn from that person. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so why are we tearing, tearing them down? We're tearing them down because of our own ego. A lot of times. Yeah, absolutely. Insecurities. And they just have less knowledge than you do about that specific topic or about that specific niche for Mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I, I think we, we as physios get to play the bigger role in less fighting against each other and trying to tear other physios down or, or chiropractors or acupuncturists, whoever you disagree with and less empowerment into using your own voice to what your intention is doing. Like if your intention is to, is to help people focus on that, stop focusing on what you don't agree with. Cause that's not going to help anyone that only promotes your own ego. Yeah, I think sometimes we get sucked into the way news media does it right. Negatively yes. <laughs> just draws in more attention 
And it, it happens in our physio world, right? The anti-manual therapy community is so negative and so driven to like spew like this negative approach to shooting other physios down and other healthcare providers. And it's just disgusting to see. I think it's, it's, it's ugly, but they're getting their followers that way. So I think th there is a devil's advocate to that piece of it, that if you're growing something's great, but sometimes are we growing it for the right reasons or the wrong reasons? You know, and yeah. it goes back to like, what is your, what's your mission? What's your, what's your overall, you know, what are you trying to do? And I think there's a, a place for, like I said, that, and you said as well, that conversation to be had of somebody that disagrees with you. And it's beautiful to have that discussion because guess what? You both grow because of it. You both get totally. Yes. But why do we shoot each other down on these media platforms so often? And yes. I think it does come back to like negativity cells, right? Sex cells, negativity cells. And you can use that for good or you can use that for poor, you know, influences of things. Right. Uh, and so I think as an influencer in this world, some of your material is going to get more attention and you're going to get physios as well as clients that are going to know more about their body based on what you say than a really big time researcher like Jill Cook or, you know, uh, Chad Cook or you know, different researchers that are providing amazing information on different parts of your body. And you have a bigger platform and a bigger voice to provide that information for a bigger public. How does that, what does that feel pressure-wise for you? And how, how do you prepare for that? How do you deal with that type of pressure? Does it get to you ever? Do you, do you ever feel, you know, overwhelmed with it? Mm, I would say I feel overwhelmed being in, more in like the the culture of social media mm -hmm. that's where i would say the pressure really builds because if this influencer is saying something well why aren't you talking about it and i would say it's more of like those kind of social pressures that you you feel as an influencer where when is it my responsibility to step in when is it my responsibility to talk about something and when when is it like something that I just don't know enough about and I don't, I, I can't speak to it or whatever it may be. So there's, there's a lot of those kind of social pressures, I would say that go on more culturally uh, through social media space. But as far as, you know, I don't, I'm very clear on who I'm speaking to. You know, I'm speaking to the general population. And as I speak to the general population, I'm going to continue to do my own research. I'm going to continue to take my own courses. I'm going to continue to learn so that the information that I bring either changes, grows, or helps more people. Um, however, I'm not saying that I am this this physio who's trying to teach other physios or, um, or other clinicians. So if I don't feel necessarily the responsibility to to be that, that head space in the physical therapy world. Um, I think I, I play my role exactly where I, I need to be, which is meeting people where they're at in the general population, speaking the same language as them. So I'm also not trying to speak in very big anatomical terms and yeah. I'm not trying to, you know, shove research in people's face. I'm trying to bring them what, where they meet them, where they are, and then introduce them something that could be maybe a little bit different, but, or maybe see something in a little bit different way. Um, so I don't necessarily, I guess, feel the pressure of, you know, being a big voice in the world. And I hope to continue to take what I know from the experts in the physical therapy world and dumb it down to share it with yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the population that I'm speaking to. Sure. I think you're being a little humble because I think you do influence other physios. I think you have a voice either directly or indirectly that you're going to teach other physios based on your program design or the things that are trickling down. Some of the things that are like, Ooh, I'm going to try that. I heard from like two athletic trainers in the last week after I said, Oh, I'm gonna have Dr. Enfit on our podcast. They're like, I've learned three things that I use with my athletes all the time from this. So I think you're kidding yourself a little bit and you're humbling yourself <laughs> a little too much that, you know, whether or not, whether you like it or not at this point, you are influencing yeah. other healthcare practitioners as well. And indirectly by the patients that are bringing some of your information to them saying, I saw this on Dr. Enfit and this, is this something safe for me? And usually we'll say, yeah, that seems like a very, you know, suitable thing for your, th whatever you have going on diagnosis wise or, you know, impairment wise. 
but I think you are teaching people more about their back than Stuart McGill is. I mean, I'm just going to say that you are teaching more bodies, more brains than Stuart McGill, who is an expert in the biomechanics of the lumbar spine. Right. And he tries to dumb it down as well. And he tries to teach people in these, you know, more late terms, but your voice is bigger. So I guess my question is like, how do you prepare for that from, you know, all the literature and all the research that's coming out all the time. It's so challenging and there's whole networks for it now as well. Right. Physio network is a great resource to check out and their podcast is awesome or, you know, other things out there as resources. So how do you stay on top of your game? I guess is my question. Um, honest, I, I would say it's just continued learning myself, like continued taking courses from people I respect and I admire, um, continuing to learn, continue to explore movement myself, continuing to work with clients, which I do. Um, I do still do in work, you know, care right now in this season of my life where my husband and I are nomads. We're not taking on clients because we're popping around the country. However, once we set up home again, we both as physical therapists want to get back into patient care again. So I think it's something that's so important if I'm going to maintain my license that I'm actually working with people and I'm actually using, you know, what I'm learning and, and seeing it on, uh, on people and seeing how it works and, or it doesn't work or whatever it may be. Um, and then also, you know, I just, I, I think the podcast, honestly, that Dom and I do now, we do research for it every single time coming up yeah. to an episode. And I think that also keeps us really fresh. I don't think I've read as many research articles as I have until I started the podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> like having a, being a CI for a student the first time you're like, yeah. you're, you're calling me out on this, this, and this that I've always just done. Yeah. I'm going to have to go back and like actually read these things that I just took for granted. Yeah. Yeah. Better for sure. I yeah. Like agree with that. <laughs> so yeah, I feel that that's helped. And, and I hope that we always have the responsibility to continue to, to learn and grow and be open to new things. And I think that's also what's cool in the social media world. Like I remember, so actually at the conference that Dom and I met at, which was Graham sessions, um, Dom was involved in APTA where I was not. Yeah. And I was brought in to speak on why I'm not. And yet I am this big voice in the, as a physical therapist, right out in the social media world. And for me, it was like, well, because I've met my mentors online, like I've met people that I've learned so much from. I've taken, I've taken their courses and I've admired what they helped their shifts of different than what I learned in school that has really made a huge impact on how I treat clients. And so it's, it's because I found my community online, which is hard for some people to like wrap their minds around, but there are super respectful people out on the, in, in the internet world who are doing amazing work. So I just, that's, that's my reason. It's break time. Stand up, stretch it out and head over to docgenfit.com because speaking of stretching and standing up and moving around, you can learn all about doc Jen's mobility method which is an individualized treatment plan with Doc Jen herself, where she evaluates and creates a personalized program for you. Or if you want to try something different, you can try the Optimal Body me Membership. What's the Optimal Body Membership? Well, I'm glad you asked. You get five monthly muscle activations, especially hitting those glutes, get them to come alive. You can get functional HIIT workouts, core stability workouts, mobility flows, mindset tools to improve your mind-body connection, and even recipes to help with bringing it all together in your nutrition. So, want to get fit? Want to feel better? Want to improve your life? Head over to docgenfit.com and check it out now. Now, back to the episode. I totally agree with everything you just said. And it does resonate in terms of like prepping for things. I just started the podcast during COVID because I was bored a little bit. <laughs> and doing it, I was like, oh, I don't know much about the lymphatic system. I was interviewing Perry Nicholson, who's like the lymph mojo. I was like, geez, I have to spend like a week preparing for this. And, you know, even for this podcast here, like I was familiar with her platform, but I went back and listened to like eight of your different podcasts that you went on with different things, just to get a vibe. Like I'm a researcher and I'm going to do research. That's just what I do. And so, yeah, I think some 
whatever way that looks, you don't have to just read journal articles. You can have a community discussion that teaches you things. You can have an online platform, like I said, Physio Network, that's that like regurgitates the research for you in a very succinct way. And however you're gonna explore and, and grow from that, I think that's great. Um, it's super important with that type of stuff. All right, so I think that these are fun, but let's talk more about how maybe a new grad that wants to do some of this work, how does, how does that look? And, and especially in your situation, you were a gymnast before and you have this amazing flexibility. I would all, almost call you like Ehlers Danlos because you look so flexible <laughs> with good control, but I'm sure you, know, you just work hard at it. But you know, how do you dissociate your body from the people you're trying to help? Because right, there's a large gap between what you can do and what you're trying to offer your clientele to be able to achieve in their own bodies. So I think one of the great powerful things about your platform is that you can do all these things and you've worked hard through your life to do them. And that's great to share those gifts, but how do you bridge that gap? And then also how, how do you sell what you can do without making it too intimidating for the other people around? Yeah, I like to hopefully guide in in terms of what I do for my own body and and how I move my body as continue to to look at the possibility you know of what the human body is able to achieve and what and can everyone do it no everybody's different and every everybody is a little you know just it, it's different so I like to continue to share what I do for my body, just as that, as that hope and that possibility. I talk about how I've had thoracic outlet syndrome and I have scoliosis and all, you know, all these other things so that I can say, but I still bend my spine and I can still do some crazy stuff. And I still put a barbell on my back and, you know, and, and continue to share these things so that there's hope in it doesn't have to look one way and there's growth and possibility and adaptation within the body. So that's what I why I should do that for myself. However, I'm also not putting out like flexibility programs necessarily of get a, a super cool <laughs> handstand thing or do these flips or do these press handstands. You know, I, I keep it to what I know has helped people in person and what I know people were looking for online. So I went for the feedback again that I was receiving. So especially when I was first just posting on social media, I really kind of looked at an area of the body and I would say, okay, let's think I would go through the week by here's some mobility stuff that you can go around that. Then here's some strength stuff. Here's some skill stuff. And the thing, the videos that always did the best were the mobility stuff. Yeah. And maybe that's because I was in a space where one, yes, I do look like I have the mobility. Mm -hmm. um, and also I was in a space of, of social media influencers growing in terms of how they look and, and strengthening and exercises. And so no one really talked about this whole mobility thing. Oh, yeah. And so that, those were the videos that were getting the most um, attention on them. And so, and then I also asked my people, okay, if I were to provide a program for you, if I were to provide something, what would you want? And the feedback was mobility. So that's why I became this mobility person. I would say it wasn't what I necessarily, again, intended on doing. I just listened. I listened to what people wanted and I listened to what worked and what people were, were finding the most benefit on. So if, and I was like, well, cool, that's a foundational layer. I can teach you how to assess what you need and then figure out some exercises that can help for that. Like that's an easy thing to provide then. Yeah. Um, and so it was cool. It was something that it felt very in line uh, with knowing that it would, it doesn't have to be a super complicated program, choose a couple things to do every day, you're going to start to feel something different. So that's, I think, again, going back to listening to, to who my community is and making sure that I was in, you know, in that connection and not just doing what I thought would be best or not just doing what I wanted to do uh, or what my body likes, but really looking at the at the people. Yeah. Stay true to yourself. And I, I do find, I want to say this for the end, but I'm going to say it now. Like I value, I think the content I've seen from you because there's an authenticity to it. There is an absolute, mm -hmm. like, 
this is who I am. This is what I'm going to promote because this is what I believe in. And like you're saying, you know, you, you've been out, what, five, six years now. And like at five, six years, I thought I was still an idiot. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And you learn and you just always learn. And, you know, you probably still run into things that you're like, I've never seen this before. I, I have no idea what I'm doing. And everybody out there has that like self-reflection of imposter or whatever, but you do what resonates with you. And when you can say that you're doing that consistently, nobody can take that away because that's who you are. And like, that's your authenticity. I think you do a really good job of that. I think you bring that authenticity to your, I think, voice that you're, you're shouting out from the, you know, Instagram world and some of the other mobility programs you're doing. So kudos on that. Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah. And I think for others out there that are listening, you know, just be authentic to yourself, find what it is that you really enjoy doing. And if you can just do what you enjoy doing, people are going to gravitate towards that. And maybe it just starts with four people that are going to follow you for the first three months. And guess what? Those four people are going to be better because of you. And so I think that's something that's, that's really interesting when it comes to social media is like, we have this pressure to like get this big community. But if you have, I think, you know, a hundred followers that love your shit, it's going to be better than having 10,000 people that are just like semi-engaged with what you're trying to promote. A hundred percent community connection. That's what you want to be focused on. If you're just focused on growth, you're kind of losing the reason that we should be doing this. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell us in your experience, just to learn from maybe some of the mistakes or some of the things that you had challenge wise, what are some of the, um, demographics or what are some of the population in terms of clientele that online platforms don't do well with? Like what, what maybe telehealth wise as compared to like social media or mobility programs, what, what come, what comes to mind that like, oof, I just can't find an easy way to connect with this group. Anything? You know, I think the older population um, who maybe is not used to technology as well um, or isn't familiar, don't know, doesn't know how to navigate it. And then sometimes like I know for my stuff, it, it, it's not going to help the 70, 80 year olds who isn't used to moving very well or has had a very sedentary lifestyle. Like I'm, I get inquiries sometimes of like, oh, well, my, my mom is 80 and isn't, her back is really hurting. And I'm like, go see a physical therapist in person, please. Because I don't think that you buying my program is going to help her. I just, it's not, that's not the clientele. So I think you know, finding ways that how could we use virtual treatment to still be able to help those who, who can't get access in person or can't get access as well? Like, how do we continue to move the needle to, to help those people? And, and I think that's going to come in time. And I think there's some VR stuff that's coming out that could be really cool. Um, I think there are ways However, it is up to our own body of staying less, <laughs> of, of, of not being so sedentary. Like it, it's just, you know, if someone wants to get help virtually, they have to be able to move themselves. And that's the reality of it. How about the super athletic 17 to 24 year old? Do they do okay with yours? Like they, those are the people I work with the most and mm-hmm. they have so many questions. They've read so much stuff. They're like access to information is so easy now. Yeah. And they're challenging from a different perspective. Tell us if that's hit home with you as well. Um, yeah, I would say they want information really quick. They want it now. They want it instant, you know? And so that's what makes it a little bit challenging to be like, well, you're going to have to do this a lot, many (laughs) times over to actually start to feel something. And there's no one answer. Like, I just, it it always depends. I don't see you in person. So you got to kind of figure it out yourself, you know? And so in in that regard, it is a little bit more challenging. Um, And I would say they need a lot more stimulation. So just having like one online program might not keep them entertained enough to come back over and over again. So for me personally, my sweet spot is thirties and forties and more so women. I love my women. I connect more with women, even when I'm working in person, like I get my women to be so comfortable and open up that they cry sometimes. And I'm like, we're we're making progress, you know? And so for me, that's just personally where I connect more with and what I'm kind of moving in toward. But I know I have men and I have people of all ages and I do my best to try to 
to work with who or to help who comes. That's, <laughs> but I'm not going to help everyone. <laughs> totally. I agree with that. And, and yeah, this, <laughs> the amount of stimulation the young crowd needs, yeah. pain. It's, it scares me, right? I know. I I'm, know. I'm high energy and like ADD all the time, and they make me feel totally normal. And it, it's scary what's coming down the pipes with some of that stuff. It is. I mean, that's the TikTok space of yeah. things. Yeah. And, and that's really where they're learning information from, too, which is a little scary, too, because that is a little all over the place. Um, but that's just that I think we get to always continue to say, okay, how can I meet people where they're at? So that's why I've continued to change my, my page, my, my content, like, okay, let's go into reels more. Let's make it more simple. Let's, um, it like IGTV was a good thing for a while. And, and that was getting really popular. And now people don't want to hear me talk for two minutes. So it's like, okay, let's, let's move somewhere else. And so I think continuing to say, okay, how can I meet people where they're at and how can I, have the content that will still reach people. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm still just trying to get into people enough to try it. And so if I'm not providing something that's going to meet people where they're at, or I'm speaking this, you know, I've gotten pushback from a physio who's like, you know, you didn't present this in the way that it should have been presented. (laughs) I'm like, but I listened to your podcast and you said everything that I agree with. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) because I'm not speaking to you. (laughs) I'm meeting people where they're at. And so I'm doing my best to be able to meet people where they're at and then hopefully help guide them a little bit deeper. But I'm not going to do that necessarily in the way that everyone agrees. And I'm just, I'm continuing to learn. I'm continuing to address myself. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think you do a good job of that. And then also the way you can modify your stance. Like you said, you changed some different stances you had from five years ago and you've probably done 180s on things you said and like oops that was wrong and i think it takes a lot of maturity to like step into a place of like i was wrong then and i've learned new things and now this is my new stance um and it's i think people stick to their rhetoric sometimes too much and they get lost in in the dust in terms of like what's evolved in literature as well as what's evolved in terms of the practice of what our art and science is all about with it yeah really interesting. One of my other big pet peeves, and tell me what you feel about this, is the idea of pain being the biggest objective measure and driver of our interventions in general, whether it's online or in person, doesn't matter. I think pain is the biggest motivator and the biggest objective measure we still use. And I would love to see that change into what's your strength? What is your strength goal? What's your mobility? What's your mobility goal? What's your function and what's your functional goal? And leave the word pain to the wayside. I hate the word pain. It describes nothing, right? I always tell my patients, don't use the word pain ever again with me. Use the word irritable or tight or Mm -hmm. sharp or achy or throbby. Like it helps me gear what I'm going to do for that rather than pain, right? Mm -hmm. I could eat raw chicken and I have pain. So like, (laughs) so how do we, how do we shift to that? And then what is the metric that you see usable for mobility? What's that metric look like? Yeah. Um, so for me, like, again, meeting people where they're at, right. Cause if I can't have this conversation with them in person, so how do I get them to address pain in a different way? And so for me, like, especially like my goal is to get people into challenges and to reading some of the things that I write and really in that sense. And, and I try to shift the mindset into like, Hey, pain isn't bad. Yeah. It's, it's great. It's good. It's a feedback for me. Like it's, it's gonna, and it, and it doesn't just come from my biomechanics and how I move as a robot or what posture I'm in. <laughs> it is dynamic, it is environmental, it is ingestible, it is everything is, it makes up pain, right? So how can I look at it at different, at as, as a different aspect? And if the fact is, and I, and I try to always start people with breath, in fact, if I can change what you feel just from breathing differently, totally. then, maybe it's not just what we need to look at just in terms of what you're feeling in this moment, right? Let's, let's start to assess, well, let's, what, what is your body doing? How is it restricted? How is it, maybe you didn't realize you didn't have as much access into this movement pattern. Maybe you didn't realize that, you know, this kind of movement felt weak. And so I feel glad that the work that I do online is 
movement-based in terms of they have to first assess what's happening in order to know where to go. And pain is almost like a uh, end result of it, yeah. but yeah. not a driver. Totally. And I think in the, what we get to do one-on-one -on -one with people is continue to change that conversation exactly like you were saying yeah. and start to redirect people. And I hope that I'm helping to create that online. And I know that there's different resources that are coming out because we can't necessarily talk about pain or say that we're gonna heal pain or heal in injury online, right? So we do have to look at other measures. And I know like Callie Strat has an app. Um, we're coming out with an app that's more self-assessment based. Um, Halo from Amazon has an app that you do like quick little mobility things. And granted, they're not perfect, right? Like none of this stuff is gonna be perfect. However, if it gives people an introduction into assessing their body and, and starting to see their body separate from just that, this pain aspect and this movement aspect and this connection, then cool, we're moving in the right direction. And so I think that we're starting to move in the right direction and, and having it more online with less about diagnosis and more about the movement piece of it and and getting people to move a little bit more or assess things in a little bit differently because we can't talk about pain and specific injury then i think it can only start to move things in the in the right direction yeah i think that the pendulum is swinging but there's so many errors and so much evolution that needs to happen i think about like the fms fms when i got out of school was just coming out and it was like ooh, this is the thing we're going to objectify movement and it was great for like five years. And it was like the bee's knees. Everybody was doing FMS. And then a couple of studies came out saying, well, if you don't take military personnel and put them through the FMS, it actually doesn't have a lot of weight in terms of application to the general population out there. We're like, ah, oh, shit, there, you know, FMS. Was not, <laughs> I love this FMS. It makes a number score out of something that was abstract, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I think it's going to be a moving target like I was discussing before, but it is something that we have to have some metrics, right? Is it going to look like, are you measuring your own popliteal angle? Or I couldn't do a hands or um, splits until like, you know, my pelvis was 12 inches from the floor and now I'm six inches from the floor. Like I, I like numbers. And I think a lot of people are driven to that competitive level of numbers. So um, I think the, the app that's going to get out there and be the most impactful is the one that creates a little competition within yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Just like Fitbit or, you know, Apple watch or all the things that are like, I am a comp I'm in competition with myself every night, trying to sleep as good as I can now because of all the <laughs> stupid information and science out on sleep like, yeah. I'm in competition. I'm like, all right, I'm going to do a good sleep night. I'm going to like turn the temperature down. I'm going to turn the lights down earlier and earlier. I'm going to read my book instead of looking on my, you know, yeah. Instagram. And I'm in competition with myself now because I want that sleep number to be as good as possible. Mm. And I think mobility wise, it's kind of hopefully going to get to that same type of objective place that we can find. Oh, it is. I mean, there's so much technology now that you can measure, you know, lift your arm overhead and do overhead flexion. And there could be dots totally. on the body that measure a, a range of motion now, you know, like there's, there's, there's just so much mm -hmm. uh, that we have available with technology. That's only going to help for those of you that are analytical, like you are <laughs> and, and want those numbers that feedback that for yeah. me personally, like I wore a, uh, what did I use? Uh, aura ring. Did you ever try the aura ring? I didn't do the aura ring. It was the other one that you wear on the wrist. Um, oh, uh, whoop. Whoop. Yeah. I wore that for like two weeks. And then I was like, I'm never looking at these measurements. I don't really care. How do I feel? Yeah. <laughs> so I like to look at like, well, how am I feeling? And oh, is it yeah. changing rather than like the numbers, but like everyone is different. Right. And we need, I think, feedback across the board. That's really going to help to uh, shift people. Absolutely. Yeah. It is interesting, but I think metric based things at least led some credibility into analyzing it from a research yes. standpoint. Right. Yeah. Because like, I've seen some things out there on like programs, online programs for obesity or online programs mm -hmm. for weight loss or online programs for certain other, I think, areas of body health, but I haven't seen it for mobility yet. And I think I, I, I wanted to ask, is there any research out there that you've seen on the effectiveness of an online program on mobility or health in terms of like taking a group of humans and putting them through with and without? Have you seen anything like that yet? No, not in terms of research. Um, 
I think, you know, we're, we're doing more research on tools and stuff that help with mobility. But again, what does that mean for pain? What does that mean for like every, everything is still like, will it help my pain? And does that really make a difference in injury? And if I improve my mobility, what does that mean? Um, I think we're still having to put the research on that so that it proves the necessary outcome of why this would be um, great. However, I can also be like, well, if I look at an 80 year old, I remember I was, after I did a, an interview with someone, we went out into just like a, a courtyard, almost of like a bunch of malls outside or a bunch of stores outside. And we just went around and asked people like, do you do stretches? Um, do you do mobility work? Do you do like, and just asked people, and it was all the way from 20s who don't do anything to, you know, people in their 80s. And one woman just it was so amazing. She was like, oh, yeah, I do yoga every day. And then she bent down and she put her head between her legs. And I was like, <laughs> that's amazing. And you could just tell the women who did or the people that we interviewed who did, you know, this kind of yoga mobility work later on in life, they're they're walking upright. They, I mean, but again, does that mean they have less pain? Who knows? Right? Like, why are we using that as like the sole measurement? I think if, but are they moving? Are they, they're able to go to the stores? They're able to, you know, so why do we have to necessarily say that mobility has to decrease a pain or injury? I think it, if it helps to improve longevity of life, isn't that, and Enough. the quality of that life, right? Quality of life. Yeah. I mean, we know that just getting strong, strength training, totally. eating well, getting water, getting sleep, you know, like all these basic things. So it's just, sometimes it, it bothers me when professionals are like, your hip mobility isn't going to do anything or, you know, improving this. Is, and I'm like, well, but can yeah. it? <laughs> Directly versus indirectly. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Down the cascade. And I think that's the app that wins. The the winning app or the winning <laughs> whoop or aura ring or whatever metric is going to take all the things and take like a Microsoft connect of watching you squat, watching you do single leg squat, watching you sit up from the ground, apply that with your sleep analytics, apply that with your, you know, breathing analytics and apply that with your heart rate analytics mm. and say, boom, here we go. Yeah. You want to make money? There's where the money <laughs> I mean, it, it is. I was snapping for you, not the oh, money. Sorry. But that, that... <laughs> no, that's good. No, I was agreeing. That was good metrics. <laughs> yeah. I think when you combine these pieces together, that's the thing that, again, provides longevity. And that's the yeah. biggest, I think, new topic that's going because people are starting to think that you can live to 125 in our generation. We're going to mm-hmm. live to 125. Some people think maybe even 150 based on how fast some of the like replacement parts and there's eyeballs that can see that are synthetic eyeballs, right? And so <laughs> things are coming very quickly and you yeah. have to take care of your body even more than ever. You have to floss your teeth more often, people. Yep. Stuff like exactly. that. Exactly. I love that. I, I think it's challenging, but I think, you know, we're scratching the surface of this idea of metric-based approach to things. Yeah. So good luck with the app and hopefully you win with all those things. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's a lot of pressure to have. Right now, so let's, I'm giving let's you some nuggets. Yeah. <laughs> let's drop that scale, that expectation a little bit, but hopefully we'll do some stuff to just help a little bit. Yeah, no, I'm sure it's going to go a long way. All right. We last question. We can't get out of here without talking about fascia, right? And mm. fascia and the, the world of fascia is where I live and tell us your influence of some of the new research on fascia and how it, has it impacted your program design? Like I heard you say in a different podcast that you recognize that the lubrication of fascia is actually the important part, which I was like, yes, yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> so that's a huge piece. And how has some of this great work from, you know, Carla Stecco, Antonio Stecco, as well as um, so many other great research out, out there talking about the important fascial functions and forces conducted from it. And then even our, you know, we're going to come out with this IT band study that says, well, you can actually deform the space between the femur and the IT band for up to 72 hours. So there are mm-hmm. tissue effects that we don't give appreciation yet to because mm-hmm. it hasn't been analyzed yet. But what's right. your influence of the current status of our understanding of fascia in your program design? So I just try to tear down some of like the low hanging fruit, some of those early myths that are still out there like every day 
even from family and friends, I still hear it all the time of like, you're, oh, dig in harder because I'm going to break something up or I'm going to get rid of my scar tissue. Like it is still something that we are combating every single day. So I feel like that is first and foremost, what I'm trying to say, harder is not better, better is better, right? And that's actually a slogan from Shantae Cofield. Yeah, I know. Uh, Movement Maestro. I was like, yes, Maestro. I know that one. Yes, <laughs> that is. Um, because I love that she says that. Like, it's it's not the harder that you go. And that's the, the mindset that is. And that is the videos, I think, that sometimes still go viral. Someone digging in somewhere and like, oh, I need that. I need to break something up. And so it's that's... Like- Perry Nicholson actually is the one that came up with that and Shantae got it from Perry. Oh, so, I love like, that. It's a trickle down. It's always, trickle. it is, yeah. it is. We're all <laughs> learning from each other. Right. Um, so, so I think still I'm just in that space right now, especially yeah. talking with general population, like that's not what we're doing. That's not where we're the effect that we're going for. And so really just using fascia to say, okay, it's interweaved throughout our entire body, right? It's not just this beautiful connective tissue surrounding the muscles that we like to think of it, but it's, it's interconnected everywhere. So how can I, how can I talk to it more so and start to either reduce stimulation that could be feeling like it's causing a knot and some tightness and restriction. So how can I speak to this in a little yeah. different way? How can I, how can I get it to move, to relieve some of that tension, to, to relax a little bit so that I can improve my motion and improve my mobility. And, and I think touch is still something that's so incredibly important. And so I'm, I am an advocate for manual therapy in terms of what we're telling the client that it's doing and what we're doing directly after manual applications or during manual applications. I think language is so important. And so I'm trying to, again, just get out of the, this fact that we're breaking up tissue and we need to go harder and we need to bruise. Like it, it's just, we're, we're stimulating things and we're getting the, the brain to think different of that area so that we can hopefully find safety and find movement and, and continue to improve in our strength and mobility. And if that is what it's helping, then, then we want to use it. And sometimes I'll, I'll use, I love the tune-up balls from tune-up fitness. I think the way that she's created that compression, that give that grip is so, so great. Um, and I also love like certain foam rollers. And so I, I use like the Intelli roll and stuff to, again, create that, that self feedback for someone to feel that connection to that area, increase their proprioception, and then hopefully get them to move. Yeah. That emotional component is so important too. And and I think our friend Liz Leckford really does (laughs) well in her, you know, approach to, I've taken a couple of her classes when she was here in the Bay area and it blew my mind how like you could feel so much, not in the place where your, you know, trigger point ball is, but actually in your chest where your anxiety is and where your stress is. And it was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And plus pairing it with music. She just like rocks it out. She's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's but, so you know, great. I think that pairing, that emotional with the physical is where the biggest growth always happens. And we just as scientists or as physios or as, you know, traditional kind of learners never gave that part credit until yeah. very recently. You know, yeah. and the mental health of it all is, is starting to get much more center stage with Simone Biles and the different things that are coming out with uh, some of the things that connect these pieces for us. So it's great. And that's why I love working in person with people still, because yeah. if I can get them to feel that relaxation, that, that, that release yeah. emotionally. Yeah. Um, I even worked with my friend Idan, um, his is like kinetic something. I don't remember what his handle is. Sorry. But Ilan, <laughs> um, he is a manual worker yeah. and he was getting into my shoulder blade in a way that I was like, Ooh, this is too aggressive, yeah, yeah. but, and wanting him to stop. But he was like, just emote. What is coming up? Do you want to yell? Do you want to scream? Do you want to like, what is happening? And yeah. He created this space for me to just be like, all right, fine. Like, I hate this. So I'm going to like, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. express a little bit. And when I did, it, yeah. it was like magic and yeah. it just loosened. And I all of a sudden didn't feel anything anymore. And I was like, oh my God, 
Yeah. That's different. Like I am usually not trying to go harder, right? I'm not trying to elicit that pain response, but what an amazing thing that that just opened up for me. So there's so many different ways to get into the body and there's not just one way. And I think it's touch is so powerful. Totally. Yeah. And my athletes scream all the time and then they feel like, wow, that was something I just haven't experienced before. And all of a sudden that problem, it doesn't come back again. Mm -hmm. So yeah, sometimes you have to talk to the brain. You always have to talk to the brain. Always. <laughs> sometimes you have to explore and give a safe space to let go yes. of that control. Right. And that's the important part of talking to the human and not just talking to the tissue, which is great. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Let's leave off on that. This is a great discussion. I loved kind of hearing your thoughts on the social media world the pressure as an influencer and just being who you are and doing it with great authenticity. I appreciate everything you're talking about today. Thank you so much, Jen. Thank you for having me here. I appreciate what you're doing. Yeah. Tell us where we can find more about you. Uh, Doc Jen Fit across the board, all the things, whether it's website, Instagram, TikTok. <laughs> I don't run my own TikTok. Wait, wait, you, you, got dancing you got some dancing going yet? No, I don't. Oh. I mean, Dom and I do. We do have like one dancing one, actually. <laughs> but otherwise, it's still educational stuff. YouTube, yeah. Facebook, all the things. Doc Jen Fit. All right. We look forward to the dance lessons and the new TikTok. <laughs> in the future. Keep us up to date. Thank you so much, Jen, for spending your time with us here at What the Cup. Appreciate it.